from SGI USA. I'm Cassidy Bradford, and this is Bootability. The weekly series where I talk with Buddhists from all walks of life about the power we each have to change our lives and the world around us. Welcome to the new season, everyone. (laughs) I'm excited to join you guys every week with amazing guests from all over the U.S. Before we get into today's episode, we have a fun weekly segment that we're launching featuring you. If you were on Instagram this week, you may have seen a story on the Bootability Instagram. We asked you to name a show that resonates with Buddhism and why. Each week, we'll pose a question for our listeners. You can answer by either DMing us on Instagram or emailing us at connect at sgi-usa.org. So what TV series did you all come up with? We got a lot of great answers, but each week we're picking just two. So we heard a lot of Demon Slayer. One listener wrote, the theme of never giving up is central. Another listener said, and with an E because Anne looks for an opportunity in every difficulty. And because this is our first time doing it, I'll give some honorable mentions. We got Avatar The Last Airbender, Manifest, The Good Place, This Is Us, and Naruto. So maybe you want to add some of these to your viewing lists. To hear next week's question, hang tight until the end of the episode. Now, let's get into today's guest. Reality can be harsh. We all have our own ways of dealing. I've been known to throw a pity party, but approaches like that don't help us change much. Often, our circumstances can't immediately change. We can't change the fact that we didn't get into the school we wanted, that we missed our train to work, or even that someone we love has a terminal illness. What we can do, however, is look at our reality through the lens of our bootability, the limitless courage, wisdom, and compassion that exists in each of our lives. Through Buddhist practice of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, we can tap into our bootability and cultivate everything needed to face our circumstances with hope and courage. Today, I'm speaking with Jonathan Cheng of New York City about how he created the hope needed to fight for his dreams in the midst of a harsh reality. Hi, my name is Jonathan Cheng. I am from New York City, and I am a filmmaker currently working as an apprentice editor, and I am 29 years old. Great. Thank you so much for coming. This is my first in-person interview for the podcast, which is very exciting. <laughs> um, so we can get started. You can just tell me a little bit about your life growing up and who you were before you started your Buddhist practice. I was actually born and raised in Queens, and life started off just pretty simple, living with my mom and dad and my brother. I can definitely say I was a very shy and quiet kid growing up, mostly kept to myself or with my brother, just watching TV, playing video games and all that. My encounter with Buddhism ended up starting seeing my mom chant every morning and evening. She was always consistent with it before she goes to work, before she goes to bed. And she would often tell me like, oh, you should try chanting sometime to be able to maybe do good in school or to like make friends. 
you know, growing alongside with her, you know, I also saw some of the challenges that she went through, some being like health issues, some financial stuff. I was really able to see how Buddhism was able to help her. So that really spurred just a bit of an interest. I was mostly wanting my free time just dedicated to all of the things that kids love doing. From now and then, I would just like listen to my mom, maybe attend a few meetings with her and start to understand just bit by bit. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also grew up in a family that practices, so I had kind of a similar experience of like seeing my mom and hearing her experiences, and I thought, oh, that sounds really great, but to actually do it myself was kind of like a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, when you left for college, what was that transition like for you, moving away from family life, off on your own? It was a very interesting point. I mean, I could kind of go back into actually even around my senior year of high school to kind of give a bit more context. It was around this time where my mom was starting to undergo a lot of neurological like health issues. She was starting to forget things and not do her daily tasks, like being able to like finish errands at work on time, quite often forgetting like even the simplest things like which bus stop to get off of or even like groceries to pick up and it was a bit concerning for the family we assumed it might be like alzheimer's or something and from that point i wasn't really taking it that seriously i thought okay like you know maybe there's maybe it's like a i don't know like a false assumption of like what she might actually have but the more and more that her health started to grade was when i was really starting to like feel like wow this is like something i've never thought i would ever encounter at this age I was always thinking okay well people get older and then their parents go through these things but this was like me and like seven and when i was 17 years old it was like not the easiest thing to come across and and also in the midst of it too, like I'm like getting ready to go to college, wanting to pursue film school and made me question whether or not I should even do any of those things. Yeah. How did you make that decision then? That sounds like incredibly hard. It's like, OK, follow my dream, stay home and take care of my family. And you're so young to have to like kind of hold those possibilities. What was that like? Yeah. Before I was considering on like maybe attending some like university that's outside of New York. I wanted to maybe have a kind of life that was like away from family. But uh, I ended up uh, thinking more like something local, whether it be like in the city. I uh, ended up finding a really great film school that's actually not too far from New York City. You know, there's still some distance, like a couple hour, like, you know, travel just to get there. So there's still some space for myself and my <laughs> like growing college life. But it was tough too. like, you know, I, I initially thought like, oh, maybe I'd have like the typical moving into college experience, which I didn't have. Like I ended up going to campus alone and you know, not having a parent go with you, kind of like help you unpack stuff and give you advice that you would want to get in college. I was figuring out a lot of things on my own in the midst of my mom's health getting bad. And even in the midst of it, too, it was just like starting to feel like out of place, felt like all these sense of loneliness come up, just very doubtful about whether or not I should be pursuing this career and like, oh, should I just go back home and like take care of family? So those are like all the things that were like starting to come up in the midst of that transition, the things that like I didn't expect. I thought like things were going to go smooth and great, but it just ended up yeah being much more harder than I thought. Yeah, wow. I mean, I think we, in the U.S. at least, have this vision of like, I'm going to go off to college and it's going to be amazing and everything's going to be perfect. And I mean, I think for many people, and you know, it sounds like especially in your case, college age is kind of the time when you start to have to face real things. I mean, not that you don't have to do that younger, but I found for myself like a lot of my own negativity and things started to really come out and surface at that time. And I think because I practiced, I was able to like maneuver it, but it doesn't mean it was easy. You know, while all of that was going on, what was your relationship to the practice and to chanting? 
I wouldn't say like I was like searching for Buddhism right away. I guess the culmination of like being at the lowest point of my life made me feel like I needed something. And I vividly recall it was like maybe a few months into my freshman year, I was like trying to put together my like idea for a freshman thesis film. And being a filmmaker, you have to collaborate with other people. And it was so hard to feel like I had good friends or classmates that I could work with. I was like worried about opening up about my ideas. And even at this point too, I hadn't shared a whole lot about what was going on with my family. So I felt like I was just holding in so much, just keeping it all in. And one night I was calling my family just to open up about all the things that were going on. I was like trying to ask for like, I think some like advice from my mom. And she was already like a year into like this diagnosis. And what was heartbreaking for me was just like her not being able to give me like a clear answer like what to do she like she it, she just sounded so unsure and it was the hardest thing that i had to hear i started to break down and started talking to my brother over the phone and he also wasn't sure about what to do to help me but he actually mentioned hey, why don't you try chanting and he said something that definitely helped mom a lot when she was struggling and i thought to myself what do i have to lose i've definitely seen so much of my mom's life transform because of this buddhist practice let me see what i could do for my own life and kind of taking it from there and you know being in an environment where I'm like away from home this was like the closest thing that I had to home you know it's definitely that something that my mom really made very uh, prominent in our family let me like you know give it a shot and the main things I was like really chanting about was wanting to be much more courageous in class not be fearful about like asking for help participating in class and stuff and I also wanted to do my best and yeah I think that's how it ended up starting from there I went to uh, an art school, so there was uh, all these like practice rooms and I just like went to one that was just noise canceling so like no one could hear me and just like just have my own privacy and just really, you know, chant. Mm, wow. I'm like reflecting on my own relationship with my mom because for a really long time, and it's still today, but really long time I would call her like, what do I do? Give me like direction, right? And then as I started practicing, I could start to see, oh, my mom was just sharing from like her Buddhist practice and wisdom. And like, I can also tap into that. She really showed me that I can bring that out in myself as well. And I think it's really profound that like this was the way that you started practicing as you started chanting did you notice anything were you like nothing's changing or i'm feeling this kind of way what was it like i would definitely say that night that i was really struggling and just opened up definitely made me feel a little bit more better about the, the situations and circumstances that was going on my practice wasn't as consistent as like chanting every single day, but I knew I weren't really chanted definitely around that time period a lot more than I had ever before. And the changes that I ended up seeing were I was like doing my best to participate more in class and started to show uh, some of my like exercises of like the film projects that we had to work on. A lot of the things that I like to put together in my films are a lot of the technical aspects that like people probably haven't experimented with before. Classmates were starting to like wonder, like, whoa, like, how did you do that? Or can you? help me with this and it got to a point where you know in the second half of our freshman year like I was starting to help other people with some of their projects because they realized like oh I'm actually good at these certain things that they didn't know before and in turn I was able to develop a better relationship with my classmates start to actually have some people help me on my film and the, the end result of my the end of my freshman year was like much more different than I expected 
it was such a huge shift for me to really you know see that but then i really started to trust like okay like this is something that's really helping me and each day was even a struggle too where i felt like okay like am i am i actually good friends with these you know classmates or am i like making it all up in my head i would chant to make sure that i would overcome these doubtful feelings that these are not my friends and these are just classmates who are just like pitying me or something and just reminding myself like i am the greatest version of myself that'll come out to be able to interact with my classmates wow i mean it sounds like it was I mean, really a big shift in just that one year of school, the way that you started versus how you ended that year. I know we'll talk a little bit about like after you graduated, but what was the rest of like kind of developing your practice during those next three years of college? Over time, in those four years, I was able to make a lot more friends. I was able to have a lot more confidence with the projects I was producing. Even in the midst of it too, like, you know, filmmaking is a very, can get very expensive. I was able to have like a great breakthrough with uh, getting an amazing like paid internship. I was able to help uh, fund all these projects. Even like my professors were even commending the fact that I was able to grow from someone who's like keeping to themselves and then able to be someone that started to help a lot of people and starting to put themselves out there that even they come to me for help. Even my like, you know, one of my like editing professors that I like really look up to, like even to this day, like I would still get from now and then like an email or a text about needing some like certain technical advice so you know makes me really uh see the value that i have in my own life from like what everyone else is able to interact with me that is so cool like (laughs) having a professor be like i see you are also an expert here i feel like is like the ultimate kind of positive feedback on your skills and your work. So I'm wondering, after you graduated college, what was like the path for your career? What was your first job like? I know that for myself, it was super intimidating, but it sounds like you had a lot clearer path of like what you were looking for. Um, So what was that like? Yeah, after graduating college, I definitely had nothing lined up. I found myself just doing like side gigs. I think after a few months, I wasn't exactly happy with where I was. So I really started seriously chant about a clear, concrete goal of like where I want to be and how to get to that point. Cause I knew that deep down inside, I don't want to just like do like side gigs. There was like one day, like a few months after I had graduated, my editing professor reached out to me about the technical questions that they would usually come to me about. My professor had asked me about how I was doing, where I was at work, and I had let them know that I wasn't happy with where I was and I'm not exactly sure like what kind of job I'm gonna get next or how long that'll take for me to get to like my dream editing role. And I remember them telling me that I've grown so much in the last four years that it would be a shame that like this industry wouldn't have you working with them. And then they let me know that they were gonna try to help me find a position. And I didn't think much of it, but the next day my professor let me know, hey, this uh, position just opened up. Uh, wow, the being, next day. <laughs> the next day after this phone call, it was like less than 24 hours, I found out that this position became available and asked if I was like interested in taking a look at it. It's not exactly like the editing role, but I would be working with editors. I was like ecstatic because it was on a feature film and all I could think about was just like all the opportunities that would come about. And then I was able to get the job. It was definitely something I really channeled a lot about to have the confidence to like nail the interview. However, after the first week of working in this position, 
every aspect of my life where I felt like I was incapable just came back. I felt like I was out of place. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I, I was like on top of things. And then like, I remember being told like, I need to like slow it down a bit. So I was like, whoa, like, am I doing something wrong? <laughs> you know, anytime that I made a mistake, I thought like it was it, it was like the end of the road for me. I thought I was going to get replaced easily. And yeah, I don't know why all these doubts just started to come back up, but it was definitely something that I knew I needed to chat much more about. It wasn't necessarily something that I could like find like an easy way out to not feel this certain way. I think I also mentioned about like how I knew certain technicalities and aspects from college. Being in this kind of position, everyone knew what they were doing in terms of these technicalities. So it wasn't as simple as like, oh, they're going to come to me for help. So yeah, I found myself like, man, like I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, was it a mistake that I'm here? But that allowed me to like chat much more about it. I didn't find the answer like right away, but the craziest aspect of being on this job and practicing this Buddhism came about uh, months into this job where I was running an errand one day and I had gone down like the wrong subway station because I, I was going to go pick up some documents for our team and I forgot that this office had moved from uptown to downtown. So I ran across the other subway station and as, as soon as I like hit this like last step, I like twisted my foot. I rolled my ankle. I think we all know how painful that feels. Feels. I landed on it much more hard because I was like in such a huge rush. It was like the biggest pain I've ever felt in my life. And but all I could think about was like, okay, I need to get to this train because it's about to like pass. I'm walking, I'm feeling all this pain. And then I'm starting to like come to this realization like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I should be working right now. Instantly, I'm just thinking like, oh no, like I have to like take off from work. Am I going to get replaced? What's going to happen? That's where my Buddhist practice really came about to really help me at that moment. Just like really chanting like, you know, for the best outcome to happen in the midst of everything that was going on. When I was taking time off from work, I actually got phone calls and emails from my colleagues at work asking how I was doing. You know, I was being told that everyone missed me. And I even got a phone call from like the lead editor to check in to see how I was doing. That was the instance that I realized I'm not incapable. No one, not once has ever felt like that. No one has ever said anything along the lines of like needing to replace me or anything, but everyone was like really hoping that I'm able to like get back soon. I was just realizing how much I was able to really help the team that much that they realized because I'm not there that they're not able to get like certain things done. You know, I came up with this determination to get back into work. Like I want to be accelerating like 200%. Like I just want to like be the best assistant like anyone's ever seen. Never feel like I'm incapable in any way. And I was able to get back into work actually just, just after a week. I was able to get like this uh, foot brace that allowed me to walk and feel like little to no pain as I'm walking. I ended up getting a fracture and I was told it would take like four to six weeks to heal, but I could still go back to work. And everyone was happy to see me and was just like <laughs> dumbfounded about like, like my fracture. They were saying like, well, never, never once in our history have we ever had like an assistant like injure themselves. And they, but they were just so happy to see me. <laughs> And so that was the one aspect in my practice that I knew I needed to come across. Because if it weren't for that, I probably would just keep feeling like this guilty, incapable feeling that would just keep coming up. But it's the mistakes and the things that like I come across, these challenges that allow me to really shift something, really see like the true worth of my life and just how important it is that, you know, I'm able to continue to find resilience in the way that I develop myself. Mm, absolutely. I think one amazing thing about this practice is as you chant, you start to see your life and your circumstances much more clearly. You know, like when we're governed by like a negative attitude or whatever, you know, life happens, right? But when we're governed by that, we're kind of viewing everything from that lens. 
but as we chant, you're kind of like clearing the fog, right? So that you can see clearly, oh, actually, everybody loves me. <laughs> actually, I'm great at this job. I am valuable here. And I think that's a really powerful aspect of our practice and of chanting is to be able to see things much more clearly and then make this kind of like fresh determination for our lives. I read something from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Keda to be able to, you know, help lift myself up. And uh, he writes, nothing is irredeemable in youth. The only real mistake you can make when you're young is giving up on yourself or allowing fear of failure to prevent you from trying to accomplish something. So, yeah, just all the fear of failure, looking past that, just determined never to give up on myself on anything, any opportunity. That's really amazing. I know that fear of failure is something that honestly like impacts a lot of us I think and I know that while all of this was happening in your career development you hadn't really been looking forward to moving back with your family at that time like after you graduated college so can you tell me a little bit more about that Around the time that I graduated, definitely wasn't looking forward to moving back. Of course, like I valued my independence away from home and having all this free time. The one thing that I knew that I was going to come back into was this feeling of uh, the dysfunction of my family. At this point, probably like about four years into my mom's illness, uh, at this point, we, you know, she's diagnosed with like Alzheimer's and dementia. So it was very hard for her to you know, interact and talk. Like it would just be very incomprehensible sentences. And yeah, I felt very like I was trapped when I would be back at home. Like I felt like there's nothing, there's nothing that I could do to help uh, change this current circumstance. And at this point, I am still like chanting and practicing, but this was an aspect of my Buddhist practice that I wasn't entirely sure how to solve. It wasn't as simple as like I'm, you know, battling loneliness and I can decide to be able to, you know, muster up my courage to overcome this. Like illness is definitely something that you have like zero idea like how to deal with, especially something that there's like no cure for. So I mostly took this time to focus on like my developing career. I was really thinking a lot about like, okay, if my mom was here, like how would she want to see me? Or rather, if my mom was conscious, how would she want to see me? How would I like want to be able to tell her all these, these are the things that I'm, I'm striving to accomplish and achieve. And so like I took it upon myself to fight for my dreams and the establishment of my career using this practice. Started to be more consistent with my Buddhist practice. And you know, one of my biggest benefits that I got only just a few months after graduating was landing a position in a feature film and you know I was able to financially take care of myself uh, I was able to just really think like what can I do to like make my mom proud Th those are like the, the feelings and thoughts that I had uh, as I was like developing my career I was still living with my family it was definitely tough for like the first couple of years I don't know how familiar you are with the disease but being with someone that has like Alzheimer's and dementia their sleeping patterns become irregular the habits and the things that they do at home become irregular. So it can get frustrating, not just for their own mental health, but for everyone that's around that person. It can be very frustrating, like, you know, trying to tell them not to do this or asking them to do this. Quite often I wanted to like spend as much time away from home to not have to deal with that. But even then, like as I'm like trying to go to bed, my mom might be up talking to herself and it would just be the hardest thing to accept. And I would just have a hard time like sleeping had he thoughts about like wanting to move out but i thought no i want let me just like you know focus on being here with my mom but it just got to a point where it wasn't so great for my mental health there was a certain point that i did have a dialogue with my dad about all these feelings that i had and wanting to move out and wanted to overcome this like guilt of like needing to be at home and my dad actually supported the idea of me moving out you know he encouraged me like don't feel like 
you know, your burden to stay here to take care of mom. He said like he can take help take care of it. And my brother's also staying at home so they can take care of mom. Just come visit like when available and help and support. For the few years that like I stayed at home and saved up money, I was able to live on my own, finding like an amazing place in New York City. What was it like having your dad respond in that way? I didn't expect him to respond in that way. I also started to feel like I had like some like dysfunctional like relationship with my dad because I thought like, oh, I want to be able to, I don't know, the best example I can give is like there was like one day I remember like giving my dad like a gift uh, for his birthday and then he told me to return it. He said to save money and like not like spend money on him. So I thought it was so weird. Like what the heck? But like deep down inside, I know that like my dad was very supportive about like wanting to see me, you know, win in my life and be successful. And coming from like an Asian household, I thought like I had to like meet certain expectations that your parents want. But my dad was really open about whatever made me happy. He would be very supportive of. As he then, you know, encouraged you to go off, you move into your own place in New York City, you're kind of starting in your career. What was happening at that time? Yeah, so at that time I was, uh, I think I probably started like my fourth or fifth project working on like a TV series and was definitely finding and learning a lot more about myself. I think because I'd gone that experience back when I was in college, like being on my own, it's been a while since I've also been on my own. So of course, like figuring things out, like what do I like eat or what am I going <laughs> to cook? Because my dad took care of all of that. So I have so much appreciation for him doing all those things when I was at home. Then I forgot like, oh, okay, I have to like take care of myself again. But I also started to get, like, you know, a bit more of, like, peace of mind for myself, especially at nighttime where, like, I'm not in the same space as my mom. Not in any way that I'm trying to say, like, I'm trying to neglect her in any way, but I also had the, you know, thoughts whenever I'm chanting, like, how would my mom want me to develop in my own life, too? And I'm sure she would want me to be happy about, you know, living my own life, be with my friends, develop my career, have my own peace of mind. But, of course, like, not forgetting about them. Mm. So... Yeah, I would definitely say that, like, those few years that I was on my own, away from family, you know, I didn't want to take for granted and wanted to do my best to keep accelerating and just say, okay, this is how I'm going to do my mom proud. Wow, wow. So you were going kind of all out in your career and adjusting to life, living on your own. And then I know, like, COVID came along. I'm sure that impacted your career and your family. What was that time like for you? It was not the easiest time. I think definitely a lot of people it's not the easiest, but from the even peak of it was where things started to like really go downhill. Around the end of March was when I found out from my brother that my mom and dad were feeling sick. And first I thought, okay, it's probably not COVID because like they're not going out and like I hadn't seen them in some time. I was keeping distance. So I thought, okay, I'm really hoping that's just like some kind of cold or like just a simple flu or something like that. Then as like the week passed, like they were both still sick. I started to get really worried and made the decision to go back home and check up on them. And about like a few days after my mom started to feel better, but my dad started to actually start to not feel as good. His health was starting to get even worse and worse. And there was like one night where he wasn't responding. This is when my brother and I called uh, 911 and the medics basically told us that like he fell into a stroke and had to be hospitalized. Like about a couple of days later, we get a call that he was actually diagnosed with COVID. Of course, in the midst of the beginning of the pandemic, things were very confusing. It was hard to leave home. It was hard to like get supplies that we need to. Even visiting was not even possible. So there was no way I could like check in on my dad. All I could do was just call the doctors and wait for them and hope that someone's available to be able to give me updates about what was going on. And around this time, my, my brother and I started to like chant together. We were really hoping for like 
the best recovery for our dad's health. In the beginning of 2020, I had this goal of wanting to develop my relationship more with my dad. I didn't know if it meant like, okay, I want to like spend more time with him or try to connect with him that much more. And around the time that he started to get sick, I was like really, like really chanting, like this is like, you know, the goal that I really want to be able to accomplish. So like, you know, I really hope that nothing really happens to him. And the, the worst news came up at the end of April was uh, getting a call very early in the morning that our dad passed away. And that's where everything just like went upside down. And I had like no clear direction as to what exactly was going on. My brother and I were like figuring out all of these like logistical things that we had to take care of, just trying to find a funeral home. All these places were like getting bombarded with many people passing away. So that was a challenge and trying to spread the news to like our family. And yeah, it was tough. It was, it was not easy. And then also becoming, you know, appointed as a caretaker for my mom. I was like the only person that could help financially take care of the family. So I made the decision to like move back in with everyone else. So I went back into that whole dysfunctional aspect that I mentioned that I didn't want to be back in. And it was, it was like the, the hardest period of my life I think I've ever gone through. It sounds like having so many moving pieces all at once. And I mean, looking back during that time, it was so scary. Like you said, you have no idea what's happening in this larger world. And then you have so much happening in your personal life all at the same time. How did you handle grief and this responsibility? I mean, that's so much to hold. How did you move forward each day? How did you have the capacity to keep moving forward? Yeah, I'll definitely say like, you know, each day since my dad's passing wasn't easy. I, you know, got encouragement from a lot of members in our SGI community. There was like one member that shared with me of my father must have been a great dad based off of how I ended up coming out to be just the kind of person that I am. I could definitely test to that, that like I definitely learned a lot from my dad and the way that I treat people. I felt like I learned a lot from him. And one other member shared with me about how I can still live my life as if my dad was still here. Like he's still a part of me in many different ways and really think about like, okay, if your dad is here, what would you want to say to him and how would you still want to continue living life? I definitely didn't get it by like day one, but I would probably say like weeks into after my dad's passing, did I start to get that sense of like, okay, if my dad is here, how would he want to see me? Like, how would he, would he want me to help take care of my family? And from there, I like started to get back my composure, being able to chant. I, I actually fell off my like daily rhythm because I just felt like I just wanted to wait for the next day to pass and wait for like this pandemic to pass, wait for all these like scenarios and situations to like go away. But they weren't going to go away. It's like an aspect of my life that I'm stuck with, but was really encouraged to like really be able to create hope in the midst of everything that's going on. Despite all these circumstances, like I can still be able to you know, be happy. Took me a while to really understand that, but what I've definitely been sticking with is if my dad were still here, how would he want to see me? I'm wondering, like, you know, you're saying, how would my dad want to see me? If your dad could see you now, what do you think he would say? Probably like, good job. I don't know. My my, <laughs> the, my dad's like a very like simple guy, so he's not like, you know. Ah, 
Ah, uh, yes. That's the thing. It, I'm familiar. <laughs> I think like maybe people out there can definitely relate having like parents that like are like very minimal words. Not often that like my dad will say things like, oh, you're doing a good job <laughs> or like even saying in conversation saying I love you, like even over the phone and stuff. You know, I definitely found myself saying that a lot, like when he was in the hospital. So I didn't want to take that for granted. But I could definitely say like if my dad was here, yeah, he, I'm sure he would definitely be proud. He's a man of few words. He'd probably smile. I distinctly remember when I had shown like my senior thesis project. I actually didn't show it to him for like a few years because I was actually worried about like what he was gonna think. Cause I actually made it specifically about him, but I actually showed it to him at the end of 2019. He gave me that distinct smile, like, oh, I know what you're trying to do. And I got this whole like feeling of embarrassment, but I was so happy that I was able to show it to him months before he passed. So I could definitely say like, yeah, my dad would give that distinct, I'm proud of you smile. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's amazing that you had that opportunity to be able to share with him before he passed. You're courageous enough to open up to him and know that he had that kind of positive response is really beautiful. So throughout all of this, you know, experience of post-college, navigating family, and then, of course, your father's passing, were there any kind of Buddhist concepts or things that you studied that really helped you shift your thinking? Yes. So there is a quote from Nichiren Daishonin, and Nichiren is a 13th century uh, Buddhist reformer. Uh, he's the one who established and founded our practice of chanting nam myoho denge There's this quote that I've come across in this passage called Letter to the Brothers, and this quote specifically says, Could there ever be a more wonderful story than your own? Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Keda elaborated more on this passage from Nichiren about how our own experiences are ways that we can encourage other people. I think around the time that my dad passed away, I just kept thinking like, I wish I could have like any other struggle than this one. Like going through the struggle of like losing family, seeing like one of your other family members slowly like withering away and all I could think of and wish is like, I wish I could just go through the hard struggles of like whatever, like maybe financially or like trying to find a job. The, the aspect of this and health were like the two things I just didn't want to go through. But I never thought that the kind of experience and struggle that I have would ever relate to anyone else, especially in my age. But, uh, you know, really started to take this much more to heart, uh, especially um, now having come across like some friends who are having very similar experiences that I'm having. And so that made me appreciate the struggles that I have and realize how that's made me the person that I am now. And to be honest, I actually don't wish for like any other struggles anymore. I'm actually happy with how I ended up uh, shaping out to be. I don't think that I would be the same person as I am now, given any other set of like struggles or given something else. I think it's also helped me establish and create uh, and the way that I create my art uh, and understanding the way that I want to be able to like tell stories and being a filmmaker, just like I want to be able to tell stories and the way that we have like our own personal struggles, how we can like really put that on paper and how that can encourage people. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think for myself too, the most painful, difficult things in my life are now something that like I would never change. Even though, like, yes, it's deeply painful, but because of them, because I've used this practice, they've become these, like, treasures for my life because I've become someone that I didn't even dream of being. And I wouldn't have challenged myself to do that had it not been, like, because of these struggles. I know that you have a friend who's, like, 
kind of experiencing something similar um, as to like you caring for your mom. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about like taking care of your mom and yeah, how you encouraged your friend who's going through something similar. Yeah, so you know, the current stage of where my mom is at right now, she's in the late stages of her Alzheimer's and dementia. So she's at the point where she needs a lot more care. We have home health aides that come by to help take care of our mom. So I'm able to you know, focus on time to myself as well as my brother's able to focus on time to himself for those 12 hours and then come back to help take care of our mom. So we have that routine going on. Over the course of the last like three years of being a caretaker for my mom, I started to have a whole lot more appreciation for her. There have been times where I've thought about the days where she would chant a lot and think to myself like, oh, I want to be able to develop that kind of consistency that she had. So I'm able to be much more resilient in my day-to-day life, just as she was able to. And, you know, even then, like I'm, I'm also like starting to like try to document our life together. I've done like bits of it when I was in film school and it's been sometimes since I've done it and I thought okay I don't want to like necessarily show like this side of her life but you know now I feel like okay this is probably very you know valuable to capture and be able to tell this kind of story. And in the way that like I'm able to help encourage others around me, I had a friend who opened up to me about the struggles that he had with his mom and recently seeing like the signs of, you know, their mom going through like stages of like memory loss. And he reached out to me one day and asked like, you know, how do you do it? He said like, I remember you sharing about things that are going on with your mom, but I'm starting to lose it. Like, how are you able to do it and take care of it? And that's what I really opened up to him about my Buddhist practice. And I was able to really share with him how it's important to be able to create hope in the midst of all these things. And I also really shared with him too, like there's like a clear difference between being in this circumstance with a terminal illness, accepting things the way they are and having to deal with it versus having hope while taking care of your parents who's going through this terminal illness, still having hope and being able to like wake up each day feeling like I'm still able to accomplish, you know, the things that I want to accomplish. Even feeling like I want to be able to make the most value out of spending time with my mom. So those are like the two distinct things I was able to really share with my friend. Mm. And how do you how do you do that? <laughs> how, like how are you using your Buddhist practice, I guess, mm-hmm. to have hope? In my like daily chanting, I'm reminding myself of all the things that I want to be able to accomplish. But the biggest thing is like, what am I really setting out to do today? What does it mean to help my brother to become happy today? Or how can I really help him today? You know, even though my mom is sick right now, is not able to understand anything that's going on. Like, how can I still help her, you know, be truly happy? And I'm also like really recognizing, too, that like, you know, the stages of like where her health is right now is just allowing me to develop more of myself. So in this process, we call like human revolution or this process of like our inner self transformation. Despite all of the negative things the last few years, I can definitely say that these are all necessary for me to become the person I am now, to be able to be fully appreciative of what I have to not wait to like you know get these things done but like okay like these are the moments that i have with my mom she could go like any minute so i want to you know spend the time with her as if it was like the last moment that i had with her Mm. what did that look like was it just like overnight wow i have appreciation for this like how did that happen for especially for somebody that like hasn't chanted before and doesn't really know like what it might look like in somebody's life i'll definitely say that 
for me, how I was able to really develop hope definitely started off, of course, like with being able to chant and having that like clear cut prayer of being able to envision this is like what I'm going to accomplish and tackle each day. It definitely wasn't easy. There are days where I would be able to pick myself up and chant and have these clear cut goals. But then there are even some days where it was it would be hard to pick myself up. The thoughts of hopelessness would come up and I would have to either push myself to call someone to open up about like how I'm feeling. Then I would really get encouraged. I think that was also a very important aspect in my practice too, is just having that community, having the practice, and also even being able to like study and like do activities. We're really encouraged to like support uh, others. So it's the happiness of ourselves and other people. So I was always thinking about like, who's like another friend that I can really encourage who's also like struggling at this time and giving encouragement to someone else like also gave me hope in my life just really feeling like i was able to like do something that was able to help someone else and then in turn that also like lifted up my life i know that in the midst of everything happening at home you didn't give up on your dream so can you tell me about what happened with your career during all of this so very recently uh in my last project i was working as a coordinator on a tv show and I'm getting to the point where like I'm starting to hit my 30s at the actually at the end of this year. And for a very long time, I, I was like really chanting about like wanting to get an editing position, but I just didn't know how it would manifest. And you know, this year I was like really pushing my practice that much more to like okay, I really want to be able to not compromise this time. I really want to be able to chase after this kind of position. I've had a couple instances in the past where the opportunity was there, but I wasn't able to get it for various reasons. Maybe I wasn't as serious about that position and the interviews when the opportunities came up. But this time around, I really wanted to make it happen. And yeah, so I was chanting to like have that manifest in some way. I just didn't know how. And in March of this year, my producer let me know that he wanted me to come on board with him to this next season of the show. But it would actually be working as a coordinator again. And I was able to like really muster up the courage to decline the offer i think in any position any field like especially being the city like any work opportunity that you get you typically want to be able to like accept it but i actually ended up declining it you know my producer commended me for showing my worth and asked me what do i have lined up next what are some things that i'm gonna end up doing and i actually told him i had nothing lined up but is there a way that we can revisit this editing position that we had spoken about and bring it into this next season instead. It definitely took some time to be able to establish that, but bit by bit, I had like much more courage to be able to approach him asking about this position. At the start, it sounded like it was like a flat out no, but then I started to plea about like some of the mistakes that had came up from this previous season that could then be vouched for this next season. It definitely took a lot of courage to be able to talk to my producer about that because I could easily just let that pass by or I'm able to like follow up and I was being pretty consistent about following up like what's the status of this have we have you spoken in like these other people about it yet at one point it sounded like it was like a 60% chance of it not happening and then the next day being told like oh actually like these producers are actually on board for it yeah then I found out by like the next month that they want to be able to create this position got interviewed for it and was told oh in our eyes, Jonathan, you were always going to get this position. I was like t- kind of taken aback. I chanted a lot before this interview to really be able to like nail it because this is exactly what I've been going after. Yeah, then shortly after I got the official offer for it. And now I'm working as in my dream position as an apprentice editor. Something I've been like trying to get for a very long time. You know, now I can like finally like 
you know, work in the editing aspect in my field and then, you know, meet many more great editors. And, you know, my dream is, you know, at some point to be able to be a world renowned like editor. Yeah, just like finally getting to that point has just been amazing, especially in the midst of everything that I just shared. Like it sounds <laughs> very easy to like kind of give in to all these circumstances, but I would definitely say that like, you know, practicing SGI, Nietzsche Buddhism has really, you know, helped me to get to where I am. I think that is so much more valuable than like just like getting the job or getting the finances and all these things. But where I am as a person now, I think that is just so much more valuable. And that is what helps me get to these other points. Where you're at now and the courage that you had to kind of advocate for yourself sounds like another world from when you first started film school. What kind of things do you think, like traits or characteristics, do you feel like you've really been able to cultivate through your practice that have led you to this point? Yeah, of the few things I could think of that helped me get to where I am now, of the which involve for sure like making up my mind. Quite often, I just totally overthink, especially when I was in my freshman year of college, I just overthink everything. Scenarios that just didn't happen, assuming that people didn't like me. Definitely really make up your mind in like whatever you're truly trying to set out to do. Don't compromise. Those are like the few things that I, I definitely can say that are aspects that I have now that I wouldn't have had back when I was in college when we chant, every moment is like an internal battle with ourselves, right? But as we chant, we're sort of like building this muscle of belief in our life. And then just making the decision, like this is what's gonna happen, I'm not gonna compromise, becomes, at least for me, like easier to tap into over time. Like at first it was just kind of like, I can't even, <laughs> can't even imagine having that kind of confidence or conviction in anything. So I really loved you sharing that. You kind of touched on like, you know, future a little bit, but we know that this practice is lifelong. So even though you've had many victories, it doesn't stop here. So I'd love to hear just a little bit about like your dream for your future and any goals that you have, like career, family, anything. Yeah, like some of the future things that I want to be able to accomplish. Definitely going to be a long journey, but I definitely want to win an Academy Award uh, as an editor. Uh, definitely will happen one day. Maybe within like the next few years, I want to be able to spend a lot more time with my brother, being able to travel together and you know, deepen our relationship in that way. I'm going to be in my 30s soon, so you know, really want to be able to also like establish my own relationship and even family when, when it gets to that point. And I really think a lot about, too, just like the experiences that I've culminated from when I grew up into now want to be able to find a way to be able to encompass that to like, you know, the, the future generation. One thing that I really love about our practice is that we're always encouraged to set goals. And I'm very excited for you to uh, meet yours, especially if I can say, wow, I interviewed him way back when. <laughs> um, so yeah, to finish things up, um, and I want you to think back to your younger self, maybe when you first started practicing, or it could be like in the midst of a really difficult time. If you could say anything to your younger self, what would you want to say? I would tell my younger self that the lowest point of your life that you're at right now, just decide that that will be the last and only ever lowest point in your life and just really decide that things will really get better from there. And every single mistake that you make, it's fine. Those are the things that will allow you to grow to who you are in the future. 
I was so moved by Jonathan's story. In today's world with so many complex issues on a global, interpersonal, and internal scale, it can sometimes feel impossible to have hope. Jonathan's story for me really shows that it's possible to transform a painful reality into a meaningful and joyful life. Lately, I've been reading and rereading an essay by Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda. From his book, Hope is a Decision, he writes, There may be times when, confronted by cruel reality, we verge on losing all hope. If we cannot feel hope, it is time we create some. We can do this by digging deeper within, searching for even a small glimmer of light, for the possibility of a way to begin to break through the impasse before us. And our capacity for hope can actually be expanded and strengthened by difficult circumstances. Hope that has not been tested is nothing more than a fragile dream. Hope begins with this challenge, this effort to strive toward an ideal, however distant it may seem. Jonathan's ability to dig deeper and create hope has paved a way forward for the happiness of his family and accomplishing his dreams. Just like Jonathan mentioned, this fight for his happiness wasn't done in isolation. While ultimately everything comes down to our practice of chanting Nammyo Horenge Kyo, sometimes we need some support from fellow Buddhists. So if you're interested in getting connected to the Buddhability community, please reach out to us at connect at sgi-usa.org and we'll help you find a community near you. For next week's episode, we're asking, what is one thing you would do if you were totally fearless? Here's the tricky part. Keep it to one sentence. You can DM us on Instagram or email connect at sgi-usa.org. And you might be featured on next week's episode. Until next time, thanks for listening. 